0: Pastor Xavier Reese and the secret to revival revealed here on Simple Truths. A man named Gypsy
1: Smith was once asked how to start revival. He answered, lock yourself in your room, kneel down in the middle of your floor, draw a chalk mark all around yourself and has got to start the revival inside that chalk mark. When he has answered your prayer, the revival will be on. It
0: begins with me. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. I'm sure you've watched your fair share of infomercials promoting things like a better cleaning product, a better knife set, a better way to cook, a better way to get back in shape. You know, there seems like a better approach to everything. Well, today, Pastor Xavier digs way back into the past, about 2,500 years, to reveal not a better product, but the tried and true way to revival. Let's join him in the book of Nehemiah for today's message of the simple truth.
1: In our call to revive, God is concerned with awakening us from our sleepy state by His Holy Spirit. In view of this, we want to look at Nehemiah's call To revive, which provides for us three characteristics of revival among the people of God. And as you will see, revival is always for the people of God. Not what you usually see in revival tonight, a tent, people getting saved. Revival is for the people of God from the biblical definition. And so these are the three characteristics of revival among the people of God. In chapter 9, verse 1 through 3 revival will be preceded by a study of the word which will result in a brokenness of heart. That's the first characteristic. Secondly, in Nehemiah 9, verse 5 down to 35, revival will be preceded by fervent prayer which will result in recognition of the true nature of God and man. And then 30 will finish with chapter 9 verse 38 and then 10, 28 through 39. Revival will proceed into a renewed commitment in obedience. So let's begin here with chapter 9 verse 1 through 3. Revival will be preceded by a study of the word, which will result in a brokenness of heart. It says there, beginning in verse 1, that there was a visible mark of sincere sorrow through fasting and sackcloth and dust on their head. But notice secondly in verse 2, their brokenness of heart is evident by a separation from what the word had revealed to be sinful. The lineage of Israel or seed separate themselves from all foreigners from intimate relationships such as marriage, from social interaction and commerce that would defile them as the law had prohibited, that which would draw them away from God. Notice still there in verse two, the obvious implication was that they separate themselves to God once again. Very important. The word of God tells you something. It convicts you. You obey it. You're revived in that obedience. Now notice also brokenness of heart is evident by confession of sins then. That's what follows. They acknowledge their sins there in verse 2. They confess their sins. Remember it is all due to the word of God. Having been taught. The beginning of chapter 8. Now look at verse 3. Brokenness of heart is evident by continuous study of God's word. The word of God revealed the will of God which resulted in conviction. The conviction resulted in confession of their sins. Three hours were devoted to the confession of sins and worship of God. I mean, they're seeing their wretchedness. They're being convicted. The word of God is turning their heart back to them. To the Lord. So revival will be preceded by a study of the word Which will result in brokenness of heart Secondly, verse 5 down to 35 of chapter 9 Here Revival will be preceded by fervent prayer Which will result in the recognition of the true nature of God and man The recognition of the goodness of God Through prayer God created His goodness to create and preserve His creation in verse 5 and 6. Notice His Levites commanded the people to stand and bless the Lord Yahweh forever. His name is to be blessed. The name is above all blessing and praise. In His creation, everything is worshiping Him. Did Jesus not say these very stalled would cry out if you were silent? God's goodness to choose and to make covenant here. And to give Abraham a land. Look at 7 and 8. It's through prayer. You are the Lord God. Who chose Abram And brought him out of Ur of the Chaldees. And gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you. You made a covenant with him. To give the land of Canaanites. The Hittites. The Amorites. The Perizzites. The Jebusites. And the Gergeshites To give it to his descendants. You have performed your words. For you are righteous. His goodness to make a covenant with Abraham. Abraham did not make a covenant with him. God initiated. Abraham responded. So we see the prayer preceding here for revival. Recognition of God's nature. The study of the word of God reminds them of their history. Of the goodness of God. His faithfulness. Their past history, their rebellion But God's graciousness, His mercifulness Look at verse 33-35 However, you were just in all That has befallen us For you have dealt faithfully But we have done wickedly Neither our kings nor our princes Our priests nor our fathers Have kept your law Nor heeded your commandments And your testimonies with which you testified against them, for they have not served you in your in their kingdom, or in the many good things that you gave them, or in the large and rich land which you set before them, nor did they turn from their wicked works. You can search from Genesis on, Genesis six, 6 three and five, Jeremiah seventy nine, Romans seven eighteen, and many others. The man is bent And all his imaginings to do evil continually. The heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked. There's not one good thing in man. Over and over and over again. Ezra prayed recognizing God's goodness and man's sinfulness already in Ezra chapter 9, verse 6 and 13. What was he praying for? He was praying for revival. He says, And now for a little while, grace has been shown from the Lord our God. To leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a measure of revival in our bondage. For we are, we were slaves, yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage, but he extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to revive us to repair the house of our God and rebuild its ruins and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. What was Ezra praying for? He was praying for revival. What was behind the prayer? The word of God. Ezra 7.10. How long was he praying? Listen. 25 years. <laughs> We are the people of God. We have the word of God. We need to be praying according to the word. Regardless of the time, the length. It was August 17, 1722 when Count Zinzendorf was giving spiritual instructions. But not to a church of a thousand wealthy, influential people. Far from it. His instruction was to a class of nine girls between the ages of 10 and 13. He had told his wife that although the girls gave outward attention, he could not perceive any trace of spiritual life among them. It is recorded that on July 16th he poured out his heart in effective prayer and was in great anguish the soul for these girls. Then for ten days, august seventeenth to the twenty seventh, this influential counts prayer were answered in a great outpouring of the Spirit of God upon these girls. As the hours pass, more girls than the boys, than adults of the refugee community of Hermit, came under the Spirit's influence. An eyewitness said, quote, "I cannot ascribe the cause of the great awakening of the children of Hermit to anything but the wonderful outpouring of the Spirit of God." Oh, how prayer needs to precede to bring about revival in people. For a renewed awareness of their sinfulness and God's goodness. Amazing. We have these evidence throughout revival history. Brokenness through the word of God. Prayer recognizing the goodness of God and the sinfulness of man. Prayer will always cause us to see our own sinfulness. For we enter the throne that exposes all darkness. Listen to Isaiah 6, 5. Woe is me, I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, meaning the captain of the armies of heaven. Peter told Jesus in Luke 5, 8, Depart from me for I am a sinful man. You see prayer that the Spirit of God is the source will always point to the goodness of God to draw us to himself. Always. So revival will be preceded by fervent prayer, which will result in the recognition of the true nature of God and man. God is holy. Man is sinful. This never changes. I notice Thirdly revival will proceed into a renewed commitment in obedience so as the word of god revives us and the prayer makes us aware of the goodness of god and the sinfulness of man then it leads us to renewed commitment and obedience it's the people of god look at nehemiah 9 36 to 38 He says, Here we are, servants today, in the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty. Here we are, servants in it, and it yields much increase to the kings you have set over us because of our sins. Also, they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure. And we are in great distress, and because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests seal it. They were committed and committing themselves as his servants that very day. Verse 36 There's no procrastination. You respond to your conviction and your commitment to God. Verse 37 They acknowledge their bondage. For their sins. At the hand of God. God had chastened them. God was behind their captivity. In verse 38. The first half. They were committing themselves. To the previous covenant of Moses. Not a modified law. Nor a new law. But that which God had given to them. In the end of 38. They were led and held. Accountable by their leader. Who sealed the writings. The various leaders there. That commitment, that accountability. But notice not only to the covenant of God, but to the particulars of the covenant in verse 28 to 39 of chapter 10. All the particulars of the covenant, they realized through the word of God and through prayer that all of a sudden they had to obey these things. They couldn't just get lip service. This is revival. They entered a curse and a nose, to walk in God's laws, to observe them all in verse 29. In 30, to not be unequally yoked in marriage. This is one of the sins that always Christians go back to. It sneaks in there. We're going to get to it in the last study. Verse 31. To honor the Sabbath day. The Sabbath year. The the year of Jubilee. They went into captivity because they didn't let the land rest every seventh year. It's one of the reasons. God says, I'm going to make the land rest. I'm going to put you in captivity. 32 through 39. To give their substance to the house of God. In 32, the temple shekel. In 33, the provisions for the offering. In 34, the procedures for the altar. 35 through 38, the first fruit of of the ground, sons and tithes. In 39, the promise not to neglect the house of God. All of a sudden, it became alive. They knew what they had done. And they knew they didn't want to go back into bondage and captivity. Revival. F.B. Myers told of a revival meeting that was dragging along without signs of success until one evening an elder arose and said, Pastor, I don't believe there is going to be a revival as long as Brother Jones and I don't speak to each other. He went to Jones and he said, Brother Jones, we have not spoken for five years. Let's bury the hatchet. Here's my hand. A sob broke from the audience. Soon another elder rose and said, Pastor, I've been saying mean things about you behind your back and nice things to your face. I want you to forgive me. Many rose and confessed their wrongs and God began to visit them. The revival swept over the community for three years, evident by obedience. These are not mere stories. These are His stories (laughs) in history. We must not try to modify, alter, or arrive at a new covenant. For the New Testament is the final covenant God has made with man in order that He obey it. The covenant of grace. We just need to obey it. Men often come up with doctrines that are not in accord with the theology of the Bible or reform theologies that are not true to the scriptures. Men at times feel persuaded to convince everyone of their particular doctrine that caused more harm than good to the body of Christ. Let's leave the word of God alone. Let's just let it do what it says it can do. Let's not doctor it up. Let's not water it down. Let's let it speak for itself and do what it can do in our lives to transform us. Deuteronomy 12.32 says, Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it, nor shall you take away from it. The compromise is always very slow, very subtle, but the progression is always forward. But downward. Compromise is never static. It's always progressive. The particulars make up the covenant. Therefore renewed obedience will result in holy living. Being unequally yoked divides the home. And brings about a difficult and painful life too often. While being equally yoked provides the setting for God to work and to work out His will and raise a godly seed. So we want to make sure we're equally yoked in marriage, in relationships of dating. He wants a godly seed, Malachi 2.15. That those children are born into a Christian home where both parents are committed to God, they're praying for God's will. They're living out God's will, that the child may see the hand of God and trust himself or herself to the Word of God. Being committed to a life of sexual purity until marriage is God's will, though the full wisdom of it is not fully understood or reaped from until one is married. First Thessalonians 4:18. To be set apart for God. The whole fourth chapter begins with not defrauding one another, being sanctified to Him. The obedience of the believer is absolute. To crucify the old man, Romans 6 6 and 11. We have been crucified when we accepted Christ, but I got to crucify the old man daily, all the time. Also, to gather as a church, being a witness. Acts 2.42, listen. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. That's what the church is to do constantly. Acts 2.46 and 47. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The church is the greatest place to be. You are to be the church, not simply go to church. Not play church, but be the church. But also to give to God of my energies, my talents, my gifts, of my finances, everything. Everything is the Lord's. I'm sold out to Him. We all know what it is to be sold out. You remember yourself in the world, whatever you were into, you were sold out. If you were a party animal, you did not hold back. Someone chug a lug one beer You did too. Someone did something stupid You did something more stupid We were committed to dying And we were good at it (laughs) How much more now Should we commit ourselves to life As we commit ourselves To Jesus Christ every day Revival will proceed Into a renewed commitment And obedience a man named Gypsy Smith was once asked how to start revival. He answered, go home. Lock yourself in your room. Kneel down in the middle of your floor. Draw a chalk mark all around yourself. And has got to start the revival inside that chalk mark. When he has answered your prayer, the revival will be on. It begins with me. Nehemiah has provided for us three characteristics of revival among the people of God. Revival will be preceded by a study of the word which will result in a brokenness of heart. Revival will be preceded by fervent prayer which will result in recognition of the true nature of God. And man and revival will proceed into a renewed commitment and obedience. That's where it has to end and continue. We're called to revive, servant leadership, and submission to the Lord. It's through His Word that His will may be done.
0: It starts with me. Pastor Xavier Reese and the Secret to Revival. It needs to begin with someone. Are you ready? And you can pick up a copy of today's study, A Call to Revive. It's available as usual on CD for just $4. And with it, we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier taught the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is A Call to Revive. Or you could simply mention today's date so we can get that out to you right away. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please don't forget to tell us the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This is one way we can gauge the impact of this outreach. Do you feel trapped by your sin? There is a way out. Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths.